I'm excited to be back here today. I missed you guys last Sunday. And um, it's, it's always strange to be in another country and not be with our church family. I really do feel like your family in a lot of ways. I was telling these boys our last night, you know, I feel like a lot of them are, are children of mine, you know, extended children, because I've seen them grow up. A lot of them, you know, we, we worked with them in kids' camp, went to kids' camp with them. We've known them for years. And to see them, you know, one of the really inspirational things was our first night actually sitting down and talking with the boys. I was sitting at dinner with them, and uh, I just asked them, I said, what's the coolest thing that's happened since you've been here? And almost as one voice, they said, we all got to lead someone to Christ last night. So really, that's awesome. How did that happen? So then they started telling me about it, and, and, and Baron, his grandparents are, are here, the Marriott's, but he got to share the sermon, right? And then I said, well, what did you say? He goes, well, here's my notes, and he had them on his phone, and it was just an amazing thing, and they all got to, to do a, you know, the sinner's prayer with people, and you know, that changes you in a, in a huge way, a huge way. So let's, let me, what, what I want to do is kind of wrap up the sermon series we did on purpose because uh, two weeks ago we didn't really get to finish talking about how you accomplish the purpose and that really matters to me. So what I'd like to do with you for just a few minutes this morning is kind of review, get you back on this page. I want to thank Pastor Jeremy, he's not in the room to hear this, but we got to watch his sermon. We were actually in the van and we, you know, with technology today, we just pulled it up and everybody, we put it through the sound system in the van and we all got to hear the sermon live. And um, is Paul Schreier in here? Is he in here right now? So I heard you violated the speed limit yesterday. Because, oh, no speed limit, okay. All right, well, this brother got to drive that Lamborghini. How fast did you go? Okay, 135 miles an hour. All right, way to go. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad that happened. I'm glad you got to do it. That's cool. Um, that's awesome. Well, very cool. Well, anyway, let's do this for a minute. I really want, I, I hope this first point has sunk in your soul so deep that it will never leave you. You realize you all have purpose. God's created you on purpose for a purpose. Everybody on purpose for a purpose. Some people, they find their purpose in the vocation they're in. Yeah, I don't know, I didn't ask you about this, Kathy, but has it always been your purpose to help deliver babies? That's what she does. I don't know if you know that. There's a lot of times I'll be visiting somebody at, at, at uh, Centerpoint, and I just stop on the third floor just in case I get to see Kathy. And I, did, I saw you just what, was a couple weeks, maybe three weeks ago, and she was on her way to go deliver a baby. Yeah. I mean, that's just what she does. Some people, their, their, their job ends up facilitating their purpose because maybe their job isn't the thing that gives them purpose, but maybe it's something else, and it just provides the money that lets them do their purpose. For some people, they find their purpose in serving Christ and wherever they are. Maybe it's sharing Christ in ways that you may not see coming or working in certain venues that only you can do. It's not as if everybody gets a chance to come to church or go to a, you know, go to a missions trip. Our purposes is something God has given us based on our personality and the gift sets that he gives us. And for a lot of people, they've got to walk it out and find that purpose. And we know what God's purpose was. Right? What was his purpose? We talked about this so many times. To seek and save the lost. You can say it a lot of ways, but if we just say it that way, it's easy, right? It's the whole thing we talked about, that word that came, and then the reason we're doing communion. The whole point, God's purpose is for have a relationship with you, and he's been seeking that with humanity all time, for all time. And he created a way for that relationship to happen, and he continues to seek relationship with people. That actually blows me away to think about it. He doesn't need to do that. You realize that, right? And if he was a human, he wouldn't. 
I think it's kind of comical how we as humans have created, whether it's the Greek gods or any other gods, if you look at the way that we've, we've created these gods in our hearts and minds, they're just silly humans, right? They're selfish. They, they goof around and they have all the same problems that humans have. God's not like that. He's perfect and above all of that. And yet he wants relationship with humans. I know I've said this before, but I, I, I feel like it's worth repeating. If I was God, I hate to admit this, I wouldn't do that. Really. I would just wipe you all out and start over with people I liked. Am I wrong? I mean, how much would you put up with if you were all powerful and perfect and you had to deal with us? Selfish, liars, cheaters, right? I mean, do you ever think about that? He didn't have to do that. He wanted to do that because his very nature is love. His very nature is love. Now, those of you who have kids, you know the pain of when your kids disobey. And you know, remember that first time they lie to you? And they're like two, three. And you're looking at this little cherub child that you birthed. I, I, there was this meme online not too long ago. It's kind of past now, but it's like, I made, I made people. Right? You think about that? And you're looking at your little person you made, and you, they're not even good at lying yet. Right? You know they're lying. You're looking at them, and at one part, you want not to laugh. Like, really? You think I'm going to buy that? And the other part hurts your heart really deep because they're lying to you. And it gets worse, right? Sometimes the things that happen or the lies or whatever, the rejection. I mean, there's times where their pain from your children cuts really deep. Imagine what it is for a God who didn't have to make you and did and loves you eternally and has sacrificed his son for you and we still don't follow him the way we should. Imagine the pain of that father. And then imagine it multiplied billions upon billions, billions. It's mind-blowing. But that's God. Because he loves like that. And his love never stops. He is love. It's his character to love. And he loves you unconditionally. And he created you in a way that is beautiful for you. He loves you the way you are. One of the things I love about traveling is sitting in an airport and just looking at people. And the variety of the creation he's made. And, you know, different shapes, different sizes, you know, different faces and different hair and everything. And you just think, God, you're amazing. And all those different people, and they've all offended him at some point. Over and over and over. Some of them that seems as if their very life is intent on offending him. And guess what? He still loves them. He loves them and loves them and loves them and loves them. And his purpose for the world is to redeem them and to see them redeemed. And that becomes our purpose. It was the purpose that Jesus came. It was the purpose he gave to the disciples. It's the purpose for his church, which are you. It's his purpose. That's the purpose, is to redeem that humanity. There is nobody beyond that redemption. I don't know if... I don't know if this story will hit with you, but there was a student I had had a few years ago at the school, and I could tell when I had her in class, she wasn't, wasn't really following Christ, and she was angry, and I don't know what all the reasons, but I could just tell I knew. Been around students a long time. And uh, she went to college, and I could see, occasionally see her posts online, I could see she wasn't walking with Christ, and it was very sad. 
and I had her, I had some brothers and sisters of hers, and I knew her parents, and you know, there were times I would say something about her in a kind, nice way, because my heart went out to her, and her parents would express their, their pain. A few months ago, she put something online. She just talked about her testimony. She just put this thing on there about, I feel like I need to say, it was really long. It was like multiple pages on Instagram about coming back to Christ. And she said she was, I don't remember how many days, alcohol-free and whatever else she said on there. It was amazing. I mean, amazing. I ran into her mom and brother at the gym, and I just said, I can't, I'm so excited to see that. And, you know, we had a little cry time in the middle of Planet Fitness. I don't know if it made anybody awkward or not. I didn't care. And then I was at a, an event where there's some other students, and one of them we were talking and talking about his class that he had graduated with. And, you know, he had mentioned some students that weren't walking with Christ. And some that were, we were just celebrating those that were. And then he said, hey, did you see? And he mentioned this girl's. I said, yeah, wasn't that amazing? And I was standing there as a teacher, pastor, friend, and he said something that I wish I had said, but it came right out of his mouth so natural. Doesn't it just show you that there's never anybody too far from God that he can't redeem? I mean, I just sat there. I couldn't even talk. I thought, well, that's very preachery of you to say that. What it is, it's God through him seeing the, the depth of the need and the redemption that God had done in a friend of his. And he hadn't talked to, they weren't friends in school. I mean, they weren't friends. But for him, it represented the fact that nobody is beyond God's grasp of redemption. I hope you see, though, that that's the purpose of the church. And who's included in the church? All of y'all, all y'all. We had fun teaching that phrase to some Icelanders who don't, you know, the English isn't their primary language. I wish I should have asked them, do you have a word that is inclusive like that? Because in English, you know, we just say you and you have to figure out, is it the all inclusive you or the you, you, the one you by context? Unless you're from here. We met a lady who was from Texas and we knew she knew all y'all because we enjoyed that with her. All genders, all people, all ages, all classes, all ethnicities. It's crazy. You know, the world today, our culture today act as if that's not the church. They don't get it. If they think that's not the church, either the church has not done its job right, or they just don't want to realize the fact that the church has always been the inclusive one. Society has not been. And even now it's so... I don't get it. It's so upside down. But, you know, the... God's people are the church. You know, the Galatians 3.28, there's no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ. That's the church. And it's fun to go to a country like you're at Iceland and you have this connection with people who really aren't like you. They don't have a similar history. They don't, they don't get Americans in a lot of ways. They don't understand what freedom means to us. Honestly, they, don't, they can't get it, right? That's, their history is not our history. They don't celebrate liberty, you know, the 4th of July. Even their, even their Independence Day was cool, but it's not the same, right? They don't, they don't have the same history. It's, they're, not, they're not us. Somebody was asking me today, what's their language look like when it's spelled? And I'm like, 
it's a garbled mess. I don't know. It's easier to pronounce their words if you haven't seen them, literally. I'm sorry. You just, it's so not phonetic in our way. It's, but you have a bond with them because we are the same. And we said the same thing when we did ministry in Jamaica. And every place I've ever been, Cameroon, Brazil, Nicaragua, anywhere, El Salvador, the youth are going to El Salvador. And you will have a bond with people who you've never met, don't know anything about, because you have this bond as the church. It's the people who pursue Christ. The people who are growing together. All of that. I think about like, okay, so how does this work then? What is the church supposed to do? Well, the, the church needs to be the church from the beginning and start to build things deep because those we have to build this foundation from the very beginning to build upon it, to have this unity and to be able to proclaim this to the world. I was reminded of something as we were working there. You know, we were, we were working a, on a church and we were drilling holes to, to put a base plate to build a wall and build, we we're drilling holes in a foundation. And what's the best time to plant a tree? Have you ever heard this? 40 years ago? We want the benefit of a tree now, but it takes 40 years. So when's the best time to plant a tree? It's 40 years ago or today. I mean, if you want to see the fruit of that, if we want to see the fruit of what the church is supposed to be now, we need to keep building that foundation over and over and over and over and over. It's a goofy example, but I was just thinking about when I first started working for the electrician I worked for in high school. I think I was in 10th grade, and I thought I'd be, you know, working on lights and things you can see, the product of of electricity. That's not what I did. He would drop me out of, off at a house and I would dig a ditch from the street to the service panel because we were redoing all these. It wasn't very glamorous. But that's what the church does. With no ditch to get the power there, there's no electricity that ends up doing the rest of it. What the church does and the purpose of the church is to do that, to build the foundation of faith for people. We want to see people saved and knowing Christ, but the foundation that's built is planting seeds long before that. Everything these boys did, with whether it was kids at a camp or the, 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 uh, the Independence Day and putting on carnival games, all of that is foundation to ultimately see people come to Christ. Sometimes it's pulling down barriers to Christ where they think the wrong thing about Christianity or the church. Sometimes it's planting seeds. But all of that relationship and investment grows into a beautiful thing where people end up coming to Christ. It's the same with you. How do you do that? And I, I mentioned some of this last week, but, or two weeks ago, but I want to mention it again. These things take time. It's not overnight. How many of you have been around a couple that finishes each other's sentences? It's bizarre. You're like going back and forth. Like you're talk, it's like you're talking with one shared brain. How does that happen? It happens over time. A long time together. I don't know if you've been like this. I mean, you've been, maybe you've been out with somebody and maybe they're still parking the car and the the wife orders for them. You're like, really? Oh, I know what he wants. I already know. They know what drink. They know exactly. That's a time thing. It's an investment thing. Another way to spell love is actually T-I-M-E. It's time. For any of this to happen, the purpose of the church to see that accomplished, to seek and save the lost, it starts with you and your personal relationship with Christ. It starts there. You have to know him in a way that is compelling for others to see. You have to know him in a way that 
you have answers to them because you actually know him. It's actually time that you've invested. And I talked last two weeks ago about the fact that I have to get my heart and mind ready for worship for me to actually worship. And when you come to church, you can make it actually better if you are ready for it and thinking about how am I going to invest in this relationship with Christ today and get more out of the sermon than I could ever get. You do that. It's, it's incredible. You, you grow because you've invested. And it's not something you only do on Sundays, but it's also something you choose to do all through the week. I know we've all heard David was a man after God's own heart, King David. And some people have like, well, how is that possible? Is it because he was perfect? No. Is it because he was a great dad? No. Good husband? No. What was it? I'm going to do something kind of dumb, but you'll get it. He was a man after his God's own heart because he was a man who was after God's own heart. Do you see what I did there? Kind of a tautology. It's kind of an obvious repetition of it. He was a man after God's own heart because he was after God's heart. He spent time seeking after God's heart. That's what made him ultimately a man after God's own heart. It wasn't the beginning. It was the hours of a shepherd boy worshiping God on the hillside, playing a harp where he sought after God and he developed as a man after God's own heart because he was after God. You can get God by just being around Christians and coming to church. You can. I, I know that. I've seen it happen. But it's a big difference. I've used this example before. There's a friend of mine. We've been friends for 40 years. But we haven't developed a relationship every day for 40 years. It would be more fair to say we were friends 40 years ago. You see the difference? Then I have friends that we've been friends and we've been developing a friendship for 40 years. I know those people better than I know some of my own family. Because we've worked at it for 40 years. We've both put effort into it. A relationship with God is something that you can build and that you can be someone after God's heart. That's why when you read this verse, and it used to be a song we'd sing, you know, as the deer panted before the water. Remember that? That means more when you realize that David watched deer running on the hillsides and they were super thirsty for water. And when they stopped and drank water, it's because they were seeking water water to replenish and to restore their thirst and when he says that as a deer pants for the water I pant after God that's a man who's chasing God's heart I'm going to do another one like I did before you know him because you know him do you see what I did there you actually know him because you know him you know him You know him because you've invested time in a relationship where you know him. I laughed. One of the team members, one of the construction team members said we were talking about how fun it was to work with a group of people who went. And I I promise you, if you do this, if you volunteer in a team here at church, this will happen this way too. But one of the guys said this to me. He goes, he goes, I know you on a whole new level. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, I, I knew you kind of as pastor. I had you kind of up here. I'm like, oh, great, now I'm here, you know? He goes, well, now I, 
you're kind of one of the guys. I, I kind of know you like that. Do you see what happened there? Do you realize that same thing can be applied to God if you choose to do it? If all you know of him is what you've read or seen like on a Sunday, that's good. But there's more. When you start to dig in, I mean, you can read the scripture, but then when you start to dig deeper and see how the scriptures connect and how, how it's just an amazing book that you can never see the end of it. There's more to him. But you will never know that unless you do the hard work of digging the ditches. You, everybody wants to see the light work. But nobody wants to dig the ditch that gets the power from the line to the box. No one wants to do that. But it's work. When you eat together, you work together, you spend time together, you see what makes people laugh, you see their sense of humor, you see what makes them sad, you see what they struggle with. The fact is those relationships take work. Anybody, God, God intentionally compares that relationship between him and us as a husband and wife, which, which is weird. He, we're his bride. Why did he do that? Because we know those human relationships take time and effort and work. We've also seen the relationships that grow cold. We've all, maybe not all, but you've, you've all seen a fire. You know that continually it takes work to make it hot again. And you've got to put more wood on and arrange the wood in such a way that it burns hotter. And if you, if you ignore it, it grows cold. Where's the grass greener? Don't <laughs> know somebody say it's over the outhouse. Yeah, not, I'm not, that's not the analogy I'm going for. The grass is greener where it's watered where it's cared for. That's where it grows green, where you fertilize it and you work it and you make it grow. It grows. Time in his word. You know, the Bible reading plan we're doing is, is, is good, but there's even more. If you invest in the discussion, I love, you know, a few people have joined in discussion lately who haven't before and I, I just love it. I love it. God gave us his word as a guide. You know, it's his personal description of who he is and his purposes in the world. That's where we learn everything about him. I, I, you know, it's, it's beautiful, too, because the history that's there, is, it's funny. You know, some people, they try to find holes in it or find contradictions. And they do that because they don't want to be, they don't have to deal with the message of the scripture, right? If we can tear it down, then we don't have to deal with what it says. But the fact is, it stands up over and over to any historical challenge uh, any archaeological challenge, it's internally consistent. It's accurate to the originals. We find this over and over and over and over. But do you want to know more? Can I give you a little tip for learning more about Scripture? It's a real easy little acronym. It's STOP. I got this from Frank Turek. It's just a way to find out what is the Bible trying to say. The first step, you just look at the situation. What's the situation, the context of the Scripture you're looking at? It's not hard to do. But a lot of times we kind of pick out parts of Scripture, but what is going on in the verse? You know, it, it, let's do John 3.16 together. You want to do that? What, you guys know that verse, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever may, right? You know that one? What's going on there? Do you know? You can talk in class. What's going on there? He was talking to Nicodemus. Who was Nicodemus? He was a religious leader, a Jewish religious leader who'd heard about Jesus, seen his ministry, was curious. He came to Jesus at night. All this is in there. Yeah. Not in that verse, but it's, it's in the preface to the verse. He says he came because he was afraid of the Jews. So he came secretly to talk to Jesus. As he's talking to Jesus, Jesus tells him, and it's kind of funny, he kind of toys with him and teases with him, and he says, how do you not know this? 
You're a leader of Israel. He's explaining to, and he tells Jesus the plan of salvation for God. We just talked about this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would have eternal life. You guys get this? What type of literature is it? History, poetry, narrative, apocalyptic prophecy, letters. It would be a narrative, right? We're getting this story from John. One of Jesus' closest followers wrote about it later. It's, he's telling the story of what happened. Who's the object in there? For whosoever. Who is that? All y'all. Thank you for whoever said that. Yes, it is all y'all. Who's the, who is it actually being talked to? We already talked about that. Jesus talking to them. And then is it prescriptive or descriptive? Not all scripture is meant for us to copy. We're not supposed to live and do our family like David did. That's just describing what he did. And in this, it's telling us about the plan of salvation, right? You guys see how that works? You can apply that to any scripture. It ends up being our source of authority. You have to be able to trust scripture to actually follow it. And does it matter? Yes, it does. It does. I want to give you one other little acronym. You know, we talk about the plan of salvation all the time. How do you get to heaven? How does it work? If you, if you use the YouVersion Bible app and you're following along with the notes, this is all in your notes. If you are not and you want these little acronyms, I'm happy to send them to you. Just email me. It's easy. DennisLuce at crownpointchurch.com. Remember, point has an E, and why do we do that? Because we're fancy. <laughs> Crown pointy church. So, easy, easy. So we have this. <laughs> oh, we're goofy. Okay, so the gospel, it's really easy. God created us to be with him. Our sins separate us from God. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. You can't work your way to heaven. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died, rose again. Everyone who trusts in him has, alone has, has eternal life. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. So how does the church accomplish? What's its purpose again? Seek and save the lost. You've got to know how to get there, right? So that's it. You've got to share it, the truth and love. God's, this gift of God is not meant for just us alone. Will it always be easy? No. I, you know what I wish? I know I joke about this. I wish everybody I shared the gospel with fell to their knees and cried and accepted Jesus. It doesn't happen that way. What ends up happening is it takes multiple times for people to hear this, sometimes from multiple people. One of the guys that, that we were talking with in, in Iceland, he's got a cool name. His name is Thruster, but it's not spelled like that. I'm just saying. Just, it'd be better to not read how his name is spelled, but his name's Thruster, he talked about a friend of his. He told us all this story that a friend of his shared Christ with him and he mocked him and he was mean to him, but the friend was consistent, shared Christ with him for a year before he accepted Christ. That's how it works. There's another problem. Our culture has shifted. It used to be that the church was respected and revered and it's not like that in culture right now. Our culture's changed dramatically. Have you noticed? Traditional Christian morality is now seen as hate speech and mean and evil. The definition of marriage has been changed. Sexuality has been changed. What's immoral is no longer immoral. Instead, it's celebrated, even at the White House. I mean, it's incredible. So this scripture Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3 was to Christian community in pretty much the same cultural context. It's hard to imagine that it's changed that much. But it used to be that 
at least in the United States, that we had a pre- predominantly Christianity was respected. So I want us to read this now. I think we can relate to it. And if we do that, that stop thing, the situation is similar to us. They're being persecuted for their faith. So Peter writes to them and he says, who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? <laughs> but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Who is this being written to? All y'all. Yes, 2,000 years ago and today. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what good life you live because you belong to Christ. You get this? So our purpose has not changed, and the persecution is basically similar. Let me give you, i, I got to share this with you real quick. This is all in your, in your notes, but, you know, just to show you how close and how similar it is. The Christians were being persecuted. This comes from a guy in history named Pliny the Younger. He wrote so many letters, we have volumes of what he wrote. And a lot of what he wrote were questions to the emperor. It almost looks like he's trying to get in on the emperor's good graces, this Pliny the Younger, he's, he's the, um, a governor in Bithynia, which is modern-day Turkey. So he writes this in 112 AD. So just not that long after Christ died, right? He says, he's persecuting and killing Christians. I only laugh because it's ridiculous. He's persecuting and killing Christians, and he's asking advice from the Roman governor, the emperor Trajan, in 112 AD. So he writes this, and he says, Here's the error, the sum error of their guilt and what I'm persecuting them for. On, on a, a certain day of the week, they get together before daybreak. They recite a hymn among themselves to Christ as though he were a god. And that so far they bind themselves to an oath to, commit, to not commit any crime. Their oath is to abstain from theft, robbery, adultery, and from any breach of faith. To not deny trust money that's placed in their keeping. And then when their ceremony is concluded, uh, it's their custom to depart and meet again and take food. And it's not even special. It's quite harmless what they do. So he said, I thought more necessary, therefore, to find out what the truth was in their statements. So I, I submitted two women who were called deaconesses to torture. But I found nothing but this debased superstition they have. And it's carried to great lengths. So I postponed my examination and thought I should consult you. The matter seems worthy of your consideration, especially as so many involved are are involved in this dangerous. He said, there's many people of all ages, both sexes alike, and they're brought into peril of their lives um, by their accusers. And the process goes on and the contagion of this superstition, talking about Christianity, has spread not only through the free cities, but into the villages and the rural districts and the temples are all but deserted. That's what he's persecuting them for. It's no different than us. Do you guys see it? (laughs) So how do you do this? What are you supposed to do? What you're supposed to do is live like Jesus. What would Jesus do? He would live it. I'm going to fast forward to this, but it comes down to this. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? No, it'll just be thrown out and trampled under feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hilltop. That's the crown pointy part. 
You're, you're a city selt on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds known before all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes for a second. I know we did this earlier, but we're doing it again for, for two reasons. One is there still may be somebody who needs to commit their life to Christ. And number two, I know that there are some people in here that maybe, maybe it's been tough for you to live for Christ in the community you live in. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's where you go to school. Maybe it's your friends. And the thing about it is, it's going to be tough. Jesus promised that we would be persecuted. We, we see here, even as today, uh, Christianity is being persecuted and they've kind of flipped the script and made it as if it's not loving to tell people about Jesus and what he requires and the lifestyle that he requires. The fact is, he still loves. And he's still calling on people to repent and change their lives. And the way he's chosen to do it is through us, through the church. We are the church. And the church's purpose still remains to seek and save the lost. And how you do that is by you being a light to a world that desperately needs Jesus. These young men that we saw them sharing Christ with people, they got the chance to, to lead people to Christ. The adult construction team, we didn't get that. We were working mostly with just ourselves on this convention center. They got to do that. One of the things we challenged them to do is to do that here just like they did it there. It's going to look different for all of you. For some of you, it'll be on your job. For some of you, it'll be with a family member. For some of you, it may be even in your home with, with your husband or wife or your kids. For some of you, it's going to be Maybe it is somebody that you've developed a relationship with. Maybe somebody you see at, at Quick Trip. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's somebody that needs their tire changed on the side of the road. Maybe it's a new neighbor that moved in and you're, you're just sharing Christ with them and maybe you rake their yard or maybe you serve them in some other way. The fact is, that's how the community of Christ spreads from person to person and the church grows Every time I've said church today, I wasn't really talking about Crown Pointy Church. I'm talking about you, the believers, the community of believers. And we have these local churches that are bodies of believers in, right down the street from us. They're worshiping God right now in another building. For some of you, it's like that. That you are going to spread this, this knowledge of Christ and the community of Christ all over your immediate area and then ultimately all over the world. I know it's hard though. I'm just curious. And this, I'm just curious. I know it's something different for everybody. But I want to pray for those of you who feel like it's been tough for you to do that. Maybe tough in your home or with your friends. Would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. There's hands up all over. I wonder, I'm just curious. How many of you, you feel like it's tough because you're just not sure what to say? Anybody raise their hand? Okay. I understand that. It's hard. I'm curious too, how many of you would just raise your hand and you feel like you just, maybe you don't, at least right now, you don't feel like you have the life, you're not living the life you should be to share Christ with people. There's some hands for that. I appreciate that honesty. I want to close this time with us. I'd like you all to stand. We do have people that are going to be available to pray with you for any of these reasons or anything else. If you need prayer for healing, if you need prayer, maybe a situation on your job, Maybe if you need prayer for boldness to talk to somebody about your faith. Those of you who are prepared to help us pray, if you'd come now, 
Maybe you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We talked about that on, on, uh, on Pentecost Sunday, that one of, the, one of the, the things that Jesus promised in Acts 1.8 is that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it'll give us power to witness. Maybe you need that, and you want prayer for that. If you want to help us pray, or if you need prayer for any of those things, I want to encourage you to step out right now for prayer. You can just walk down here for prayer. If it's for healing or any of these things we've mentioned, go ahead and step out. We want to pray with you. But I want to pray for all of us who raise our hands for those different things. I want to remind you, too, immediately after the service, many of you have already registered for our uh, Fast Track class. That's a way to become a member, to learn a lot more about the church. You're not required to be a member if you go to this class, but we would love for you to. And that's going to be right after the service, and it'll be in the crown room. As you exit the building, it'll be right on your left. But I want to pray. And if you need prayer for anything, step out now so we can pray for you. But I want to pray for all of us and close us in prayer. Father God, we come before you today. We come before you kind of blown away by the fact that you want relationship with us. And knowing that that's your purpose. is Your whole purpose in the world is relationship with mankind. And it's been your purpose from the very beginning of time. And extending on to us now through the sacrifice of your son through your church, as your church's job now, we know our purpose is to reach this world. God, I pray for each and every one in this room as you help us fulfill that purpose, whether it's with our friends, our family, maybe even our own husbands or wives, maybe also beyond that with people that we work with or, or school, people we see, people we serve on our street, maybe neighbors we don't even know, but God, that you would use us to extend and complete and fulfill your purpose for humanity in letting them see you and know you. God, I pray you will help each and every one of us. I pray for everyone in this room. God, that you would give us an opportunity, just like the young men had in, in Iceland, to pray with people to know you as Savior. I pray, God, that you would ultimately connect us with people through this week, that you would create divine opportunities, divine appointments for us where you would just be super clear, like this is the moment for us to plant a seed, to share something about what you've done for us, for, for us maybe to answer a question about Christianity, about the faith, about God himself, about the beauty of creation, that you would give us the opportunity, give us the boldness to say what you want us to say. Father, I pray for those of us in this room who raised their hand at that point where we feel like maybe we're not living as close to you as we should. God, I pray you would make us like David, a man and a woman that is after your heart, that we are pursuing a relationship with you where people would step back and say, clearly they have spent time with Jesus. They know you in a deep way. God, that's what we want from you in all of these situations. We trust you for that, and we ask for you, I ask for you to bless these as they leave this place, that they would have opportunity after opportunity to meet and know people and lead them to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you today as you seek and serve, seek and save the lost. If you're joining us for lunch, I'm going to ask you to move in there as quick as you can. We'll get there as soon as we can too. God bless you today.